76% of people on their deathbed, their biggest regret is, I wish I would have lived for me, not what other people wanted or the life that people expected of me. And this comes out of research out of Cornell by a psychologist named Dr. Gilovich. And so people regret the things they didn't do, not the things that they do. All right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself. Thank you so much for joining. Look, 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 look. I can't wait for this show. I can't wait for you to listen to this because it's a beautiful combination of inspiration, wisdom, and education. These are my favorite mixes for the show, right? Because it brings you on a little journey, right? You're learning, but then you're also feeling, and then you're also relating it to your life, and then learning more, and then feeling more. It's, oh, I'm so excited. Anyway, thank you for joining the show. I know how important that resource of time is. I really do. And it doesn't go past me. Your time is essential. And thank you for putting your time into really opening your hearts to all of this, my life's work, right? So check this out. I have a close friend on here. And this doesn't always happen. My friend Ben Nempton, he is uh, one of the founders of The Buried Life. You might remember that show on MTV. He's New York Times bestseller, top world motivational speaker. And he's going to talk to us about some very important stuff. Now, I always talk about authenticity. He's really going to put it out there in the actionable ways how to change your life. And I mean it. I mean it in the sense of, you know how people say, change your life by doing this one thing. He's actually going to give you the things and the steps to take in order to change your life, to come back. A lot of you ask, a lot of you DM, Dr. G, I don't know how to find my purpose. Listen to this guy. Dr. G, I'm going through depression. I don't know how to get out of it. Listen to this guy, right? Dr. G, I've always wanted to do this in my life and I don't know how to get there. Listen to this show. It's gonna be so important. You're gonna feel inspired. You will feel it in your bones because I promise you he's coming authentically out with his words. I can't wait for you to listen. Uh, there's nothing that's not achievable and we're going to lay out the groundwork for you on how to make reality, whatever you've been dreaming of. Really, I mean this. And in the knowledge bomb segment to switch gears, acne. How many of you have acne right now as an adult? How many of you suffered with acne? How many of you have a teenager or a kid with acne? Look, we're going to cover the reasons why acne is here the reasons uh, why we in medicine don't know how to fully treat acne. And I'm going to give you the, as if I'm over here on the other side of the table, you come to my office and you say, hey doc, I need help with acne. I'm going to give you the way that I would treat acne as a doctor. A holistic, integrative, functional, naturopathic doctor with all of the tools across the board. You are going to learn it today. I can't wait for you to listen. Let's get to this awesome, awesome episode. All right, everyone, I have a very special guest. Now, I say this all the time, special guest, but I'm going to tell you this. I don't always have a friend on the show, like a, like a proper personal friend, like we hang out, friend. Mm -hmm. And now I got Ben Nempton. Man, this is, if you hear how passionate this guy is about us living our lives to the fullest potential. You know, a few years ago, I remember this show on MTV. You might have remembered it too. Buried Life. And this guy was going around and opening the opportunity for people to live these bucket list checkoffs of their life that they really wanted to do. It's such a gift that these guys were giving people around the world. And 
as such, it's inspired him to move into this motivational speaking. Now, I'm in the presence of a top two motivational speaker in the world, going for number one this year, which is so exciting. So best-selling author, motivational speaker, Ben Nepton, thank you for being on the show. Dr. G. My man, look, 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 like I, I, I said it, like you know me as Dr. G and Goofy Christian. Yeah. And so that's, that's, it's great. Like, I, I love having friends like that because it's an extra level of like just comfort and, and knowing, and I know that you got a big heart for humanity. You got a, a really goofy side like me. So this is, I see you brother. I, I, I'm very thrilled to finally be here and to talk with you like this. I know you as goofy Christian first, then Dr. G. Right. Because I met you when you came out in full regalia coming out, doing a poem for our friend. Jesse with a wig and a sword and everything. And I was like, who is this man <laughs> in an, with an accent and a, with a pan flute? It was, it was, it was, I was just seeing all my dreams coming true yeah. right in front of my eyes. And that's exactly how I am with my friends is just being a total goof. So that's how we connected. And now I'm excited to, uh, talk about that and talk about other things. <laughs> For sure, man. And it's the big, it's about the authentic expression, uh, being without fear, being with people who care about you. Now, yeah. you see, one of the things that I go by is how am I serving humanity, but also how am I authentically showing up for myself? Am I doing what my body wants to do, what my soul wants to do? When people are on their deathbed, mm -hmm. what is the number one regret that people have? 76% of people on their deathbed their biggest regret is, I wish I would have lived for me, not what other people wanted or the life that people expected of me. And this comes out of research out of Cornell by a psychologist named Dr. Gilovich. And so people regret the things they didn't do, not the things that they do. In the short term, you, re you regret the things you did. But in the long term, it's the inaction that sticks around longer. So I read this study and it honestly shook me. Like not many things shake me. And I read this and I was like, wait, whoa, why are more people not talking about this? This is three quarters of the population that live, will live their whole life. They'll get to their deathbed and they'll realize too late that they blew it. And they can't do anything about it except for just have this realization. I could, couldn't imagine that feeling on my deathbed suddenly realizing, shit, I, I didn't live for me. I was living for other people. And I think we think it's selfish to live for other people. But what I've learned through this journey, which has really, I stumbled into this realization that you can't serve others unless you serve yourself. And this bucket list for me was the first time I'd ever written down the things that I truly wanted in my life, my dreams versus this life that I was living subconsciously for other people, the dreams that I thought you wanted to achieve to be a successful person. But when I wrote my list, it was really the first time I declared what I wanted. And then my friends and I went after those things. And it was the first time we had actually taken action and people showed up to help us unexpectedly. And I started to feel more alive. I started to feel energized. I started to see that life's magically unfolded in front of my eyes and and then the day-to-day -day would kind of bury that true self and I would start to feel a little depressed and I wasn't able to be there for myself or other people and so this was a long journey of a lot of ups and downs realizing that 
being authentically yourself not only fuels you, but it fuels other. And we all have these in these gifts that were given to us that only we can bring to life. And if we don't, then they're going to die with us forever. And I think that's that regret that comes up at the end. That's, that's like, shit, I, I knew I had a chance. I knew that I have had something deep inside me that I could offer the world, but I was afraid or I didn't think I could, or I didn't think I had the time or the money or any myriad of different things that come up. And I think we have an obligation to act on those things because I can't bring your gifts to life. You can't bring my gifts to life. But if you would have listened to the dialogue in your head when you started this podcast or when you broke away from doing what you're doing, being a doctor, to become something different that you know was your true calling, if you would have listened to it, nah, like, this is risky, like, I'm not good at this, X, Y, Z, then you wouldn't have been able to really be that full expression of yourself and impact the number of people that you've impacted. And I think that that's something that is a shame. I think that if more people did that, it would actually change the world. So it's, you know, it's like this big idea. And, but I really think it comes back to this being true to yourself, not only so you don't have the regret at the end of your life, but also so you can unlock these gifts that you are given and that impacts more people. And when you are your true self, you inspire others to be their true self. So it creates this ripple effect of positivity that lasts far you know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alitura Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience a brew that's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well-being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health-focused principles backed by solid scientific research-based rigorous testing. 
They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. I'm hearing all this and I think to myself with my doctor hat half on is, psychosomatics, right? Like if we're living a life that's not true to us, I mean, you said something that was really telling. You were doing all these things off your bucket list. You felt alive. You had all this energy. And then this day-to-day design of life started started repressing and holding you back. And you started feeling a little bit contracted. For me, it's like how many people are living on that spectrum really contracted, sort of turning their whole back on themselves. And on the percentage wheel of disease, like how many of us are sick almost exclusively, if not a big part because of that. I would, I would say a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's why I've dedicated myself to trying to bring authenticity to people. Mm-hmm. But in, in your experience, I, I want to go back to somatically. How, how did your health feel when you were truly in alignment with that bucket list authentic self versus coming back to the day-to-day? Well, first, I just want to quickly touch on what you said because I think you're, you're spot on. I think a yeah. lot of the physical manifestations of illness is yeah. also mental health, right? Depression is, is also the root word for depression is suppression. And Gabor Mate talks about this of suppressing your true self and suppressing play. Right? Play is so fundamentally important in our developmental years. And we suppress it as we get older. That's why like we connected because we both love to do that. And I think that's something that we can talk about that is, that is, often overlooked as a pillar of wellness, but also the suppression of your authentic self. And there's all this research that's coming out that, that correlates purpose and well-being. So people that have a sense of purpose bounce back from illnesses quicker. And your bucket list is just a list of all the things that bring you that sense of purpose. My definition of a bucket list is anything that brings you joy and happiness and fulfillment in all 10 categories of your life. So not just adventure and travel like bungee jump, skydive, travel to Europe is what we think about innately uh, that, that a bucket list is made up of, but it's also relationship goals, mental health goals, physical health goals. How do you want to give back creative goals, uh, financial, professional? So you start to think about your list of, of, of as a thing, as, as a device to remind you of all the things that keep you living on purpose so that you are then a reflection of your true authentic self. 
so that you are more powerful, you can bounce back from illness, but also you make the biggest impact. So I, I definitely believe that a lot of the mental health challenges mm -hmm. and the illness, the illnesses that people are experiencing in part come from suppressing that true self. And I've experienced that in, in my life. You know, when I first came out of high school, you know, I was really putting a lot of pressure on myself to succeed in all aspects of my life. Huge amounts of personal pressure, not pressure from my parents. I just put a lot of pressure on myself to succeed. I got an academic scholarship. I was on the U19 national rugby team. I wanted to be liked and in the cool crowd, right? I just really wanted people to like me. And I made the, the national rugby team and we were training for the World Cup, which was in Paris, France. And I would go to the field every day. I practiced my field goals, but I had missed a big kick in the final game of our high school season and we lost. And I thought, what if I miss an easy kick at the World Cup? What if I blow it? I, I played fly half, so I kicked the field goals, sort of called the plays. And I would think about this at night and I got anxiety and I started losing sleep. And I basically was crippled by this anxiety. I couldn't go to school, couldn't go to practice, dropped out of school, got dropped from the team, became a shut-in in my parents' house. And I was completely frozen with this depression. And what happened was I ended up getting pulled out of the house by my friends that summer after I dropped out of school. They brought me to a new town and I was forced to talk about what I was going through and I was forced to get a job. So I started feeling a bit of confidence and self-worth because I was doing something. I was sharing these things with my friends. So I started to feel not alone because I knew that they had gone through something similar once I started talking about it. And I started to meet people that were my age that were inspiring, new kids, kids that had started their own businesses, kids that had traveled, kids that had were creative, they'd think of something and just do it. And I was like, these new kids that I'm meeting, they're giving me energy. Hmm. So I realized like, okay, some people give me energy, some people draw energy away from me. So I need to only be around people that give me energy. So after that summer away, I'm starting to feel back to myself and I, I think, okay, I'm gonna try and only surround myself with people that inspire me. And there was one kid that was inspiring and he was a filmmaker from my neighborhood and his name was Johnny. And I called him up out of the blue. I was like, Johnny, you make movies. I want to make a movie. Let's make a movie. And that's when this bucket list documentary started, right? So that's the story. But if you zoom out and look at this, you know, 20 years later, basically, I look back. And what really happened was, back to our conversation around being our authentic self and purpose, in high school and university, I was living the dream. But it wasn't my dream. It was the dream that everyone told me, this is the dream. Be on the national rugby team, you know, get an academic scholarship, be, have a ton of friends, right? And so I realized now in hindsight, I didn't actually love rugby. I played it because it was the cool, it was like football in the South was rugby on the West Coast of Canada. Right. It was that big. And, you know, I was studying to be, a, I was in kinesiology. I was going to be going to sports medicine because I played sports. Maybe I'd work for an NBA team or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was not doing anything creative. And deep down, all I wanted was to do a sketch show with my friends like Saturday Night Live or make a documentary. And so finally, I sort of followed that instinct and, and, and called my friend and we started this journey. And then we made a list of all the fun things we could do. That was our bucket list. 
If anything's possible, if you had all the money in the world, what could you do? No limits, just, we're not even going to accomplish any of these things. Let's just, it'd just be fun to go out and try. Cover Rolling Stone, go to space, pay off our parents' mortgage, plant a tree, grow a mustache, you know, like give away a hundred dollar bill. And then we thought, every time we cross something off our list, we'll help a stranger do something on their list. And this was only supposed to be a two week road trip, but this was the first time that I started to truly live for me. And that began this journey of self-discovery, of understanding who I am so that I can live closer to that. And this path has taken many twists and turns over the last 17 years. And it's kind of brought me to speaking and sharing this message this way, but it's gone from documentary to TV show, to book, to other television shows, to speaking, to the bucket list journal. Mm. And, and, and it's been, it's woven it out because I've been trying to follow my inspiration, follow that true self. And when I do that, the experience that I mentioned, when I don't do that is I start to feel depressed. Just that is the straight up mm. feeling I have. And when, and I've gone through a few depressions since that major depression, but I, I've learned things about myself and I see the signs coming earlier and we can talk about what those are and what habits I've learned to help me bounce back. But one of the tools in my mental health toolkit is purpose because I know when I start to feel depressed, it means that a big area of my life, I am not aligned with my authentic self. And it's either my job, what I'm doing every day, perhaps it's a relationship that I'm in, or it's some major pillar of my life is not aligned. And I, I stop and I think, okay, shit, I need to make a difficult decision here and change something. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to make those changes. But I find when you're on the other side of that, then the opposite of that, when you are living aligned, life starts to happen for you. Yeah. Magic starts to happen. Things fall into place. Big pieces of your life that you've been dreaming of start to click together. And you become in flow. And that's when you are living your true self and aligned the right people come into your life and the right things happen. Mm. And so that's the difference between living true to yourself and not living true to yourself. Mm. Powerful, man, because you just have the gift of depression in many ways, right? Totally. The, your body saying, hey, you are completely out of alignment. And, I, and now, thank God, you have the wherewithal to be like, okay, this is sort of veering off track right now. But it's funny how many of us abandon ourselves when we feel out of alignment in order to keep the partner that is out of alignment for us or the job that is out of alignment but paying us a lot of money. And then we fall into a depression and not understand why. I mean, it's so palpable when, when you talk about how it affects you. Now, for you, when you know you're out of alignment, how does depression feel for you? You know, if I think back to the, the darkest depression that I had, you know, in university, one this one of the scariest pieces of it is this is 2000 and you know early 2000s so people weren't talking about mental health the way they're talking about mental health yeah. now i didn't know this happened to anyone else so i was like i'm broken and i will never come back all of a sudden i went from this guy that was a type social loved being with friends to my parents would forced me to take a 15 minute walk every day just to get out of the house. And oftentimes I would go hide in the driveway behind our van for 15 minutes and come back and tell my parents that I went for a walk. Mm. So this is the level of 
anxiety that I was feeling. You know, I, I didn't think I couldn't see any of my friends. What like what am I gonna say to them? You know, and and I remember being. It, this all stemmed from not being able to sleep, right? And you know how important sleep is. And so as you start to lose sleep, everything just gets compounded, and you start to spiral. And so I remember just just trying to sleep in the middle of the night and just being so terrified of the darkness. Like how dark can this go, you know? And not knowing when it would stop. And so it felt just completely all consuming. And out of that, you know, now that I I have great therapists, you know, I understand that I have a tendency to work myself too hard and not give myself breaks. Understanding how important sleep is, understanding how important quality time with people that I love, understanding balance and meditation and being in nature and all these things that like I talk about is this sort of mental health toolkit of things that are important. I, I still feel like that sometimes and it feels like things are just slowing down and not happening very the way that they should be. You know, things are hard. I don't know why it's so difficult for me to get this task done, or I don't know why life is, is seems just sticky and difficult. Like I'm going through molasses trying to get things done and I'm not as efficient as I usually am. And I feel negative and I'm just stuck, right? Like that's what it starts to feel like. And I have trouble sleeping. So my biggest indicator now, it feels for me is that I feel, um, I feel tired and it's because I'm not sleeping. So I really have to focus on, okay, what do I need to do to sleep through the night? And that usually puts me back on track. Mm. So you got the somatic part, you're moving towards that, but the, literally the physical manifestation is the sleep for you. And then yeah. it can create that cycle, right? No, yeah. the no sleep, the, yeah. so, you know, viewers and listeners, let's think about maybe for the first time in your life, maybe this conversation is prompting you to think, how do you feel when you're out of alignment? Maybe now we start thinking about our energy. We might think about our sleep. We might think about sort of anything in our body, how we feel. Uh, maybe we just become isolated, don't want to talk to people. Maybe there's more anxiety. Different people express differently. Let's see. For me, I feel heavy. Molasses feel for sure. Mm -hmm. I feel disconnected, so sort of avoidant. Like mm -hmm. no one can find me. I'm under a rock. I you isolate. Yeah. I isolate pretty, pretty hard if I feel that way, but I don't let myself get there because I know something's going on. You know, maybe I need to work out more, see that nature more. Maybe I need to question, is this project good for me? It's made me be better at saying yes and no, actually. You know, when it comes to overall health, the little daily habits can make a huge difference. Take flossing, for example. Seems like such a minor thing, right? But taking good care of your teeth and gums does way more than just prevent cavities and bad breath. Emerging research shows that it can actually support whole body health and may even prevent cognitive decline as you age. That's wild, right? That's why I'm really excited to tell you about this awesome company called Slate and their game-changing three-in-one electric flosser. It's the only product out there that flosses your teeth, massages your gums, and even scrapes your tongue to remove bacteria to promote fresher breath. I've been using the Slate Flosser for about a month now, and I'm hooked. Unlike regular floss picks that you have to jam into your mouth, this electric flosser does all the work for you with 12,000 sonic vibrations per minute, really cleaning out them gums. The innovative gum sweeps give your gums a gentle massage to increase circulation too. 
And let's not forget the built-in tongue scraper to help zap bad breath at the source. So to start one of the easiest and healthiest daily habits with the Slate Electric Flosser, go to slateflosser.com and use the code DRG to get 10% off of your very own flosser. That's 10% off of your easy-to-use Slate Electric Flosser at slateflosser.com slash DRG, S-L-A-T-E-F-L-O-S-S-E-R.com. And the code is DRG. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open that I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights and these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. You know, there's people viewing and listening. They go, okay, I love this bucket list idea, right? Mm -hmm. Or I love, I, how, how do people start to bring in front of them, well, what do you want to do for you? Or what questions do we ask? What, what practices can we do to start really slowly but surely coming back to ourselves and operating from that sense of self? Well, one is, I think import, it's important to understand that sometimes we don't even know if we are not living for us. So it's, it's important to stop and actually take the time to reflect and feel what we feel when we think about certain things. So you're not so much following your head, you're following feelings. So I encourage people to think about, and before they even begin, just to remove all barriers. So just imagine you have a hundred million dollars. Imagine you have the ability to do anything. What would you do? Just a complete blank canvas. You can do anything, right? I mean, again, when we did this, <laughs> there's definitely some benefit from being young, dumb, and broke. Like we were very young, very dumb, and very broke. When we started, we had nothing to lose, yeah. right? We, we just, we had the naivete of not knowing how hard it was going to be to make a TV show, write a New York Times bestseller, like all these things. We just thought, we'll just go try, yeah. you know? And we were young, so we had that youthful energy, that exuberance. Yeah. And I think we all have those things in us at all times, but they get buried. So to tap back into that youthful, positive naivete of like, fuck it, let's just think about anything I've ever wanted to do. Yeah. So coming from that place, then it's like, okay, 
anything's possible. And we can talk about how to achieve those things next, but just start from that place. And then follow feelings. What are you curious about? Or what excites you when you think about that thing? You know, when you plan a trip with your family or your friends and just the thought of it gives you butterflies, you just can't wait to go on that trip. That feeling is what you're going after. So what's something you could sort of elicit some of those feelings when you think about that thing? Or just think about your life. What are the things that make you feel more alive? What are the things that give you energy? That's another great way because this goes for people and things. I still subscribe to this idea of surrounding myself with people that inspire me because that one decision that I made in university completely changed my life. And I continue to try and surround myself with people that give me energy and inspire me and lift me up and believe in my dreams and also inspire me to think bigger and give me that energy. So who are the people that give you energy and what are the things that energize you? And so it's important to pay attention to that when you are doing something do you feel more alive or do you feel more like yourself or do you feel energized and same when you hang out with people, do they make you feel like that? So as you now start to think about those things, you know, you can just sit down in a quiet space and start to write anything that comes to mind. And then I also find it's helpful to have a process when I'm writing down my goals because I tend to gravitate to those adventure and travel goals because those are the things that are, they come to mind the easiest. So you can start there. But the reason I wrote the bucket list journal is to give a process of thinking about all 10 categories of your life that fill your, would fill all buckets of your holistic experience of being a human being. And so you think about, okay, travel and adventure goals, but then like, what type of impact do I want to make? How do I want to give back? Mm. What are my relationship goals? One of the top five regrets of the dying, this is from Bronnie Ware's book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, is I wish I would have stayed in contact with friends. So what relationships are important to you that you have to invest in in order to keep connected that might just have fallen by the wayside because you've been too busy? Mm. Loved ones or friends, that goes in your relationship category. Creative goals is another often overlooked pillar of wellness. when you have this creative expression, that's your true self. You're in a flow state. And that is therapeutic, as you know. So it's like, you can't minimize these things. Whether it's music or improv or art, like you need to protect time for those things. And those are important. So, you know, you go through, there's physical health goals, mental health goals, financial, professional. And as I mentioned, material goals too. It's okay to have material bucket on. What are the things that you want that bring you a sense of happiness? Just make sure that it's bringing you happiness. You're not doing it to, for validation of others. So you can kind of go through these 10 categories as sort of as a prompt to have you think about all the things that you might want to do. And you want to write them down. And you want to write them down in a journal or a notepad because you want to come back to it. You want to remind you that they exist and you also are going to update it as you grow because as you grow, your values and your goals will change. You also want a reminder that you've done things that you thought were impossible because I guarantee you have achieved things that younger Dr. G thought, no way this is going to happen. Yeah. And we forget about those things. We're always looking forward and there's always someone else doing something at a higher level and we're looking to do the next thing. We forget about how much we've achieved. So your list also is a reminder, hey, I've achieved a lot of these things that I thought were impossible. I've proved to myself that these things were possible already. So I can keep going. 
And that's why you want to write it in a journal, not on an app or not on a loose piece of paper because you want to come back to it. It's like a safe place for your dreams to live. So that's the first step is stopping, taking the time and writing it down and make sure that you're really following these feelings, not your head. Because mm -hmm. your head is usually justifying, oh, well, dad wants me to do this. Right. Family wants me to do this. And society wants me to do that. And it's important to keep those in mind, but it's also important to make sure that you're living for your true self because ultimately that's going to be best for your dad, that's going to be best for your family, and that's going to be best for the rest of the world. Mm. You know, perfect time because we're about to start the new year. Yeah. So now everybody could go out, get the bucket list journal, and now you can write that entry for yourself. Let me ask you, do, from, from the author of this journal, do I have permission to write out my 10 things but what if I rip it out and put it on my fridge? Mm. Is that okay? Yeah, I like that. That's okay to see it every day, put it on my fridge. I think okay. the more you see it, the, the better. The yeah. more you see it, the better. And I love the idea about this. It's also what you think is unachievable. Uh, you know, like I can go learn how to surf. Mm. I never did that. I'd love to go, but I can I can do it right here on, uh, on Santa Monica Beach. Mm -hmm. But what if I want to surf with Laird Hamilton? Mm-hmm. Oh shoot! I don't know. I don't know. No, Laird. I don't even know how to surf. How's that ever gonna? You know. But like, that's a big goal mm -hmm. that we can make happen, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 I, I love that. But you know what comes up is the thought of fear, mm -hmm. right? For the people who are not thinking or wanting to think big on this bucket list journal, fear is gonna come in and play a role. How do people move through that fear? Fear is the biggest barrier. The biggest barrier. So. And then again, that, this comes from research out of Cornell by Dr. Gilovich that I mentioned, you know, before. So there's three barriers. Fear is the biggest, the fear of what other people think or the fear of failure. And we can talk about that. There's also barrier number two, which is the fact that there's no deadlines for these goals. And we have deadlines for every other goal set in our lives. We have work deadlines. We have leaders trying to keep us accountable to those deadlines. We have salary that we keeps us accountable. Like we... We have deadlines with family. We have deadlines in life. But with these personal passions, hobbies, dreams, there's no deadlines. So we always say, oh, I got to do this. Let's do that later. Yeah. And we kick it down the road until we realize it's too late. I'm out of time. I'm on my deathbed. I didn't do it. So that's the second problem with these goals. The third is that usually we're also waiting to feel inspired to go after these goals, but the inspiration never comes. And we're waiting for the perfect time, but the perfect time never comes. So very quickly, the way we get over all of those barriers, number one, there's no deadlines. Therefore, we need to create accountability. Number two, there's, there's no inspiration that's going to magically hit you. Yeah. So you need to create your own inspiration by taking small steps of action, even if you don't know how you're going to achieve the goal. And the third is we need to understand that fear is your friend, that that fear that you feel, that's you understanding who you are and you're learning about yourself and you're evolving. A snake doesn't outgrow its skin without being uncomfortable. It, it, it's part of the process and then it's grown and it moves on. But in that moment, it sucks. It's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and then it moves through and it's good and it's evolved. And that's the same with being vulnerable. That's your body saying, I don't like this, but it's essential for you to move forward. And so that fear is actually your body saying, this is important. 
This is a tax you have to pay to achieve anything that means something to you. If you're not feeling that discomfort, it doesn't really mean much to you. And so you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Now, it's important to, ne- to say that that is if pursuing this thing doesn't risk your well-being, doesn't risk the, the well-being of your family, right? So you, you have to keep in mind that there is this caveat that you're not putting yourself at risk. You're not putting your family at risk. You're not putting your financial well-being at risk. So these are like your basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs are, are met, mm-hmm. right? And that's important because a lot of people, it's, it's not a reality. They can't just go and try and do something and, and because they have real responsibilities that, that, that don't allow them to take more than an hour or two off. And so, and, and I get this question a lot. It's like, okay, like you went off with your friends for a, a road trip, you know, and you went and did all these things. That's great. I can't do that. I've got a family. I've got a job. It's like, I completely understand it. That's not what this is about. This is about you figuring out what is important to you and then understanding what is the time that you can commit to this thing. And if that's one hour a week, it's one hour a week. If it's a weekend, a year that you go away with your friends on a trip because this is you connecting back with your people for one weekend, one year, whatever that might be, you, you, you carve that out, you share that with your friends and family so that they know and that they understand it's important and then you protect time for that. So, you know, I just wanted to mention that because I think it's, a, it's, it's important to talk about. Everyone is a, at a different stage in their journey. But I think this applies to wherever you are at in your journey. I also feel privileged to be able to have done the things that I've done in my life. And not everyone starts from the same place. And I've realized too that this bucket list is not about the accomplishments. And it's not even about succeeding. It's just about doing. Mm-hmm. It's about the act of doing. Because just by doing, you inspire other people to do their thing. But then also when you reflect on your deathbed, you can look back and say, hey, at least I gave it a shot. And that's all you need to keep your dreams alive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, back to these three barriers, you know, we have no deadlines, so we got to create accountability. We got to create inspiration through action. And we have to really identify the difference between fear, which is ego-based, and risk. And risk is real. So, you know, there's different ways that we overcome those barriers, but those are the the three barriers and fear is the biggest. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine how many people are, may have be, been contracted because now we're facing the things we want to do for years, mm-hmm. sort of that our soul has been wanting to express through us for years. The gifts that you said inherently in the beginning that we all have are sort of scary because it may be out of the alignment of what we think we're supposed to be doing because of society and, and our friends and our family. But, but, but what would be life without expressing the gifts that you have for yourself and everyone else, right? You said the world would be a better place. Hmm. And, and I, I firmly believe that. What about when I have this journal, mm-hmm. beginning of the year, I'm filling it out and I go, whoa, that one is a big, big like bucket list, wherever, whatever category the tenants send. Mm-hmm. That one's a big one. I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. The, you said take small steps, mm-hmm. right? Let's say go back to Laird Hamilton, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't even, I don't even, I don't, he surfs, right? Yes. See, I, I don't even know about the surf life, but I just, he, it's the first thing that came up. <laughs> he does, yeah. So, so small steps to create that, because you guys did some crazy big things. Yeah. How do we achieve those crazy big things? So, you know, let's get back to the barriers, right? So uh, the one of the barriers is 
really just in action. There's yeah. such power in action. You know, we are actually happier as human beings when we are acting, when we are in action versus passive. So not only does it build momentum towards the thing, and it's the only way we're going to achieve the goal, but we're actually, even if we're not moving towards it, we're still happier being in action than just being passive. So I'm a firm believer in looking at your goal. Okay, it's Laird Hamilton. You know, he is the person I want to surf with. How am I going to do that? I have no idea. I don't even know if he surfs, right? <laughs> right? He may be retired. I don't yeah, know. Who knows? <laughs> you know, so first it's like, okay, what are the easiest things I could do to move towards that goal? Well, one, let's see if he's still surfing. Let's see where he lives, right? Google search. So like research, okay. you know, two, I'm going to call my friends that are surfers. Maybe they know someone that knows someone. Ah. Uh, I am going to, you know, become an expert in, in Laird, right? I'm going to start to really understand like what his life's been like and learn about him. And, and so it's, it's just about, you know, you, you have your big goal and then underneath that goal, and this is what you do in the journal. I encourage people to write three 48 hour action items. You're just trying to create inspiration through action. You're the architect of your own inspiration through action. So you don't need to know how you're going to achieve the goal. Yeah. Those initial small steps, you'll start to build inspiration. And then you're starting to follow that energy. So anything on your list, all you're doing is you're just collecting data. You're just saying to yourself, hmm, I think this is something I would like to do. Yeah. And then you're going to try it. And if it gives you energy, you're going to do more of it. If it doesn't, you're not going to do it. So you're trying all these things that are either going to fuel you or not. And if you start to feel inspired by looking up Laird and starting to learn about him and talking with friends and you're feeling this energy and you're like, yeah, oh, talk with this person, you talk to another person, you're starting to get close and you're feeling like, I'm going to start taking surf lessons. And that's that feeling you want to continue to fuel. Right. So, but you can only feel that if you try. And so you want to just make it as easy as possible, which is like, what are the easiest things you can do to start taking action? And you start to build that momentum, you know, and it just, it takes time. And as long as you're continued to be energized, it doesn't mean that it's not going to be e easy yeah. or it's not going to be difficult. Sorry. Like persistence is so key with all of these big goals. Cause most people give up. The reality is, yeah, you know, sure. and you just have to keep going which means you have to be creative with your persistence so it continues to inspire you. So, you know, once you've written down, you've identified that's important to you, you want to uh, choose those three easy action items. And then another big piece of it is you want to build accountability. So you want to talk about it. So you want to tell your friends, mm. hey, my dream is to, uh, is to surf with Laird. Yeah. Not only is that going to build accountability, because you're going to feel accountable to the people you shared it with. They're going to see you next time and be like, hey, Dr. G, like how, have you, have you met Laird yet? And you're like, oh, shit, no, I actually, I got to keep moving towards that, right? Yeah. The more you share, the more accountable you feel, but also the more you give other people the opportunity to help you. And the only way that we cross things off our list at all from day one is through the help of other people. And when we went out, we actually never thought that we were going to film our bucket list items. We thought that it was going to be a documentary about helping other people. But unexpectedly, all these people showed up out of nowhere and started emailing us saying, I saw your list. Number eight is ride a bull. I can get you on a bull. 
or I saw make a toast at a stranger's wedding. My friend's getting married. I'm the best man. I can get you in. <laughs> Amazing. And so all these people came out of the woodwork to help us. And we started to realize that when you, you know, are bold and share authentically and with passion, people will step up in unexpected ways. Mm. So we continued to share and the, and the more we shared, the more people stepped up. So people will help you, you know, when you share authentically, but you got to move through the fear, right? Because that's the other piece of this, the fear of what other people think. What are they going to think when I tell them I want to surf with Laird and I don't even know what surfing is really, right? Like right. they're going to think you're an idiot, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I can't do that. Like, well, I don't even know how to surf. What do you mean I want to surf with Laird Hamilton, yeah, yeah, the yeah. best big wave surfer of all time? Like, <laughs> be, you know, and what if I fail? Then they're going to know I'm a failure. So the fear of what other people think or the fear of failure is the biggest barrier, barrier, which is why we don't share. But you can use that fear to your advantage because when you share, then you're like, oh shit, now I got to do it. Mm. So you want to share and you want to start to create that inspiration through action. And then um, you really want to move through that fear knowing that people, you think they're thinking about you, but they're not really thinking about you that much. They're busy living their life. They don't really care. It's true. You know, I think to myself, I can't help but think to myself, you know, you're saying all these steps esoterically, right? Energetically speaking, yeah. you know, when we, the hardest part to, to creating with, with energy is the first step, opening the door. So that's the biggest barrier. But the, when, I, when I hear you say, take the small steps, the way I feel into my body is that what we're doing is, making these small proclamations every time through action where our frequency of I can't, I can't begins to more like, oh, maybe I can, maybe one day, actually, maybe like this year, you know, it starts opening up more and more because we as energetic beings have an unlimited capacity to create even the, what we think is uncreatable. And the accountability step is so for me, from me listening to you, the, the magic part. Mm -hmm. Because what you're doing is speaking it into existence right in front of you to the people who you know are going to hold you accountable, removing the fear and actually proclaiming even stronger. And that's bringing your field even more expansive and bringing that reality even closer. So like you figured out an energetic recipe, like a, a bucket list recipe and, 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 and like kind of marry them together. And I see, I see the big picture on how and why, why it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And the beauty is like the statement you said, like, doing these things, we need them with the help of other people. It makes you realize your humanity and how collected and conscious we are, connected all of us. And of course people come out the woodwork because people love authenticity. They want, it, they want to show up for people who are authentically expressed. It's that fear, moving through the fear. So now I, I, I'm thinking about all the things. And people respect that courage. For sure. Even if they don't agree with what you're doing. And we can all think of people in our life that you think, I really don't agree with that person, but I respect yeah. them because they are unabashedly themselves. And I love the idea of, you know, that energetic shift when you open the door and that's the hardest part is like opening the door. And I think when you make the first step small and easy, the door gets smaller and it's it's easier to open, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you can just move through it a little instead of pushing this huge door open and making right. this big fuss of, here we go. It's just like, you know what? There we go. I'm just going to see. And then the accountability is, it's just, that's the key. The, it's the I, key. You, you cannot 
underestimate the power of accountability. I wouldn't have done any of these things if I did them by myself. I did them with three of my buddies and that's why these things happen. When I didn't feel like I could do it, they said, you can do it. When they didn't feel like they could, I said, we got to keep going. And for over a decade, that's what drove us. And the more we shared it, the more we got on the radio, the more that we shared it online, the more we felt accountable. And you can just, in your life, just think about in the workplace, okay? All we have are layers of accountability. That's why we have leaders. That's why we have a boss. A boss keeps us accountable. We do what we say we're going to do because we know we have to. Our boss is going to check in on us. We have a salary that keeps us accountable. We don't want to let down our team, our coworkers. You know, that all keeps us accountable. We have none of that in our personal life. Yeah. So how can you create those same structures of accountability? And that means sharing your dreams, getting an accountability buddy. You are 77% more likely to achieve your goal if you send regular updates to an accountability buddy. Think about training, you know, whether you're training for a marathon or you're training just in the gym. That's why personal trainers are so brilliant. Half the battle is just the sunk cost of like, I paid this person, I'm going to do it. That creates accountability. For sure, for sure. You're going to do it because you, you paid money, yeah. right? And they're also, they're waiting for you at the gym. So you're like, shit, I don't want to work out. You're like, fuck, God, I got the trainer. They're waiting for me. I got to go. Versus like, I have a gym membership. No, I'm not going to go. Or even more so, I have a group of friends. Then we all train together every Tuesday and like, I got to go. And then you, you, you ante that up. But if you don't go, you got to pay 10 bucks. Mm. So think about these days. These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water or kombucha or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. That's why in the journal, you, you create a deadline. When you have a deadline, that creates accountability. You set a reward for yourself so that when you do your thing, you get something, whether it's you get to buy something you've always wanted you know, I used to go to the gym and I would like get my favorite smoothie all the time. I just went to the gym just because I love that smoothie, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. How can you 
get an accountability buddy to enroll them in doing the dream with you, yeah. or they, they check in on you. You want to write a book, get an accountability buddy, you know, where you're going to send a chapter to them every month or, you know, get a, get a, um, an editor and you're going to do it with them. You're paying them to help. It's like that stuff is key. And man, that accountability is, is just about everything. Mm. You know, I think to my, myself, uh, earlier this year, I had an accountability buddy, um, my friend Adam. Mm -hmm. And what we would do is because him and I sort of struggled with like speaking affirmations, we sort of hold, we, we did, you know, we've done a lot of work, but, but holding it in the things we want to say. So we would make ourselves uncomfortable and give an affirmation to a stranger every single day. So at the end of the day, he would text me what he did and I would text him what I did. And my God, if we missed a day, we had to do three the next day. So we made sure we did it every single day. But I'll tell you right now, in retrospect, I felt so good in my body. I felt so loose, so invigorated. I would, there was no molasses. Yeah. And, and it's something as simple as giving to another from the heart, mm -hmm. not from the head, but from the heart. Mm -hmm. So shout out to accountability buddies. I know, I know that they, they Adam really was my accountability buddy too for a really? minute when we, cause I saw him in his house, he had pull up rings yeah. and I got some in my house yeah. and he's like, I'm like, how many do you do? He's like, I do a hundred. I'm like, you do a hundred. I was like, he's like, you can get to a hundred. He's like, just do as many as you can in the morning, you know, and take a break, do more, take a break, just do as many as you can. And every day I text him, I'm like, I did 30, you know, I did 31. And just the act of knowing that I was going to text him made me do it. That's it. That's it. It's as simple as just having someone that you are sending that update. That is so powerful yeah. because then you have that kind of, that thing that typically holds you back which is the fear of what other people think. And it suddenly tips and it, it works in your favor because you think you're still afraid of what they think a little bit, but it's driving you to do it so that they don't think that you're slacking. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, you know, people are listening and they go, you know, there's, there's so many things that I want to do that are really big, yeah. seemingly unachievable, but now we have some formula. Yeah. But as you did this stuff with your friends and in your life, what are some of the big, you know, you mentioned some crazy ones, like give a toast at a wedding. That was pretty crazy. But what are some of the big things so we can really illustrate to the people out there that as long as you put the intention out there, universe is conspiring to give this to you as long as you keep showing up. What are some of the big things you and your crew did that were really like, I thought this would never happen. This one was crazy. To be honest, I never thought we would get a show on MTV because, you know, this this, we grew up on an island in Canada, and this was, you know, 15 or so years ago. And, and MTV was like the thing. And no. we, it just was this big dream to, to make a show that we were in control of. We always wanted to make a show for our friends. So we wanted to be in control of it. And we, we even got offered a show in Canada, and we turned it down because we weren't going to be executive producers, and they were going to. Like they could technically recast us. Yeah. So we thought, no, we're just going to, so we raised money through sponsors and we did it on our own. And so keep in mind, it's like three years of doing this on our own, hustling through school, doing it in the summer. So every summer we would do a longer road trip and a longer road trip and we would fund it on our own. And then finally we took the footage we've been filming for this documentary and we cut our own pilot 
And I met someone that knew someone in LA and flew down to LA on a buddy pass, which is like a free flight from a friend, yeah. started meeting people. And I just started to understand the business. And over a year and a half, finally got a meeting with MTV. We had cut our own pilot and we ended up selling to them, selling it to them as executive producers, which for f people that had never worked in television, you know, to make that jump, all of a sudden we were filming the four of us to filming with a crew of 50, 60 people, you know, with three, 400K budgets, a, a, an episode. And we're still like wanting to do this the way we've always done it, which yeah. is like, you know, we want to streak a field and get away. We're going to do this and we're going to ask for permission after to air it. And they're like, well, that's not how you make reality TV. Like we're going to go <laughs> ahead and we're going to clear the venue and tell them what we're doing so we can air it. Yeah. And we were like, no, we're going to do it all real. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, two years of our lives in a black hole we had to there was legal fights to try and get the permission to film these things we were you know trying to play basketball with obama we were trying to get jay-z to come to a house party we were surviving on a desert island we we're asking out megan fox on the red carpet like it was just a total just full send <laughs> and we just wanted to give people that were watching the feeling that we got when we were in high school, which was that we got inspired by a friend who started a clothing line out of nowhere that triggered us to think, wow, if he did that, I wonder what I could do. So the whole idea of giving people this tiny spark of, oh, I wonder if I can do my thing. Yeah. If these guys, and it, the only way that that would spark would happen is if it was authentic and people saw us as who we were and the show felt real. And so that's why we were adamant that it was real. And it was very hard to make a show like that. Yeah. But ultimately, we, I think we succeeded and we made this show that was very different, right? Like it just, one, to have it be authentic, but also half the show was helping other people with their dreams. And at that time, that was something wasn't really happening too much. And, and so that's something I'm, I'm really proud of and it was so hard to do and like it was such a big dream of ours and that really was the beginning of the project was wanting to create like a show or a documentary so mm -hmm. that was a huge one and then there was other mind-boggling list items like we we played basketball with Obama some it, it's like a long story but like I oh, got a hundred no's we just were campaigning in, in DC we were challenging the president to basketball games and just showing up at the court waiting for him. We were picketing outside the White House with signs. We were taking meetings. You know, we were showing up at the YMCA where we thought he worked out or <laughs> other cabinet members. It was like a total just throw shit against the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. And finally, we, we got so many no's that they felt bad for us. And they're like, okay, why don't you come to the White House and we'll show you the basketball courts. We'll just give you a tour. Yeah. We're like, all right. And we go and we're shooting around in the basketball courts. And then we just hear President Obama walk on the court and say, hey, guys, I heard you're in town. Thought the least I could do is shoot a basket with you. And he'd come down from the office, from the White House, and just shot around with us for like 20 minutes. No and, way. Yeah. And we were just like totally in awe. Yeah. So, you know, moments like that where you're sort of, your whole belief system changes because you, you see this thing that you were convinced it was impossible and now you're seeing it happen and so i think everyone has the ability to prove to themselves that they are able to achieve things they thought were impossible and uh and that's what those moments have done for me and i think the more you experience that the more you 
realize that anything is possible. And then you start to look at your goals and challenges from, through the lens of not, can I do this? Do I want to do it? Does this align yeah. with my true self? Yeah. And that's a huge shift. And so th that's the shift that I'm trying to make happen in people. And, and a lot of it is around just trying to startle people enough to into this like truth that they are going to die, right? Because this, this project started around this question, what do you want to do before you die? That's what the question we asked everyone on the road to figure out what was important to them. That's what we asked ourselves because death was the only thing that put things in perspective. And so thinking about death as much as you can is so important to put them, keep things in perspective yep. and, and ties into this research of like people not realizing that life is short and if they don't do it now, you will regret it. Yeah. And that would be a terrible place to be. And it's never too late. Yeah. I, I talk with people that are, I, I've gone to like aging communities, right? Like old, old folks in their eighties and nineties and they start. So it is never too late. A year from now, you will wish you started today. I guarantee just take the easiest step because you don't deserve to have those regrets. And I tell you what, when you're on your deathbed, and this is a great quote from Les Brown, he's a speaker and author. He says, imagine you're on your deathbed and as you're about to die, all the ghosts of the dreams you never did, the ideas you never fulfilled, the things that you wanted to do, but you didn't, all these ghosts start to come into your deathbed and they say, we came to you when you were alive and only you had the power to bring us to life and you didn't. And now we come to die with you forever. Mm. So, Oof. Heavy. That's heavy. I got some chills when you said that. I really did. Yeah. You know how people are like, I got chills. I got real chills down my <laughs> spine. I got to do that damn improv class, man. Now, <laughs> after this conversation, I'm already signing up for it on my phone. That's right. You know, it's like, it, it's, it is time, you know, and, 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 you know, something that resonates with me and, and it is that like the improv stuff that we were talking about before, because mm -hmm. I love acting. I love being creative. I love just shooting from the hip. I, I just, I love it. It brings me the most life. Well, it's so clear that it is your true expression, right? Like yeah. this is, it's such a, yeah. a no brainer. Like you have to do that yeah. to be fully expressed. If you're not doing that, you're not the full expression of yourself. Therefore you're not going to be as happy as you should be. Yeah. And it's funny after I do a performance, I'll be like, I feel healthy right now. It's like this level of health that I, that, that is like past supplements, past like sleeping well, past working out. It's like vitality. I, I say it, I, I, I'm like, I need to do this more. Yeah. But now I'm like super, like Move super inspired. Move, Move through the, the fear. fear. And, and, and just knowing that like, you can play basketball with Obama, right? Like, whoa. And it's the collective, like, this is happening. Yeah. Amongst every single no, it is like the collective focus. Like, yes, I can create that reality. Mm-hmm. The last mm -hmm. part of this, and I, and I really, something that stuck out too that you said is when you're authentically you, you can positively affect your parents, your loved ones, your family, your friends. How? How does that start shifting the way they feel about you? Let's say the parents are like, I wanted you to become a lawyer. You don't become a lawyer. You do something else that is opposite of what they thought for you or wanted for you, but you're authentically expressed. What changes in the relationship? I think that... You know, so with parents, this is a tricky dynamic and, and maybe 
your parents will just always see you as a failure if you don't become a doctor, right? right. But so that's okay in the sense that it's more important for you to be happy than to make your parents happy. And ultimately, I think they will be happier if you are happy. And they will get to that point at some point, yeah. even if it takes them getting to that point on their deathbed, which is, you know, I've I've seen that with my parents' parents, you know, of is at the end of their life finally realizing uh, and forgiving and 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 that's what happens. So, you know, it's part of it is you coming to the, the realization that it's okay if they don't accept you. What's more important is that you are aligned with who you truly are. So, but from what I've seen is that most of the time, our parents want us to be happy. And they think that becoming a doctor is going to make us happy because they have all the best intentions. That's how you're successful. That's how you make money. Yeah. Therefore, you will be happy if you do this thing because that is what made people happy when they were growing up. But it's, it's a di different now. And so I think just understanding that is important. But ultimately, you know, what is really going to make them happy is you being happy and having a loving relationship with them. And if you feel resentment towards them because you did something for them that you don't really want to do, even if you think you're above it on an energetic level, you are going to hold that against them. Yeah. And you're not going to have as deep of a relationship as you can with your parents or the people around you. So I think there's, there's that direct relationship with the people that want the best for you. Then there's this indirect relationship with people around you that you are straight up going to inspire them to do the thing that they want to do because they're going to see someone that they know do something that they thought couldn't be done. Or they're going to see you be the full expression of yourself and say, wow, you know, Dr. G's doing improv. He seems so happy. That is so cool. He's having so much fun. I think I want to try improv. I mean, th that's kind of what happened when I just went to my first improv class. I posted about going to improv. I was super scared to do it. And I did it with my girlfriend and we had an amazing time and I posted about it. And I had so many people be like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do it. You do what you love. You inspire other people to do what they love. So you're going to create this ripple effect just by simply doing what you love. Again, not about the accomplishments. I don't have to do the full improv class. I don't have to become an actor. Yeah. It's just the act of doing yeah. that inspires other people. Just like my friend that started a clothing line in college that inspired each of us individually. Keep in mind, me and my three friends, we weren't friends before the buried life. We knew each other because it was a small town in Victoria, British Columbia, but I never hung out with them one-on-one. -on -one. Each of us independently were inspired by this collective friend who started a clothing line. And we were like, holy shit, how did you do that? You just started a clothing line? You don't, you're not in fashion. You don't have any money. He's like, well, what do you mean? I just did it. I took out a loan. I did it. I was like, mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never seen anybody do that before. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and it, I thought, wow, you did that. I wonder what I could do. And I thought, I want to make a TV show. I want to make a movie. And that's when, but that's not where it stops, right? We do the show. The show is seen by a ton of kids in high school. All these kids think, huh, Buried Life guys did that. I wonder what I could do. And now we're learning all of these musicians, athletes, creators, like big talents started doing their thing because of the show. So I say that not to, to say we inspired them. Our friend that started the clothing line started mm. this. And that's the power of the ripple effect. You look at that clothing line, objectively, you say that was a failure. 
<laughs> was it a failure? Right. If he wouldn't not. started that clothing line, we wouldn't have started Buried Life. And all these people that were inspired by Buried Life to do their thing. And then we're talking some of the biggest YouTube creators, some of the biggest musicians, NFL athletes, Academy Award-winning filmmakers decided to start playing football, to start making movies, to start making videos, posting on YouTube. The impact they have had. We're talking millions and mi hundreds of millions of people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and, and this is not exaggeration. Hundreds of millions of people from this one kid that decided to start a clothing line that you would look at and say it was a failure. That's why it's not about doing, it's not about the success, it's about doing. And so that's the power of doing what you love and the ripple effect. So this, this is such a powerful idea because it proves that one person can create incredible impact. And now we're finally finishing the documentary that we started 17 years ago, which is, and we're doing it with a group that was inspired by Barry Life, a group called Yes Theory. It's a big YouTube channel. And we're going to make the film that we've always wanted to make, which is quantifying this ripple effect, proving this is a theory, right? Dating, just tracking it back to this kid and then quantifying the impact, looking at all the musicians and all the actors and all the athletes that were inspired. So I just think it's such a inspiring idea because it's, it's, it's a no brainer, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it one, it doesn't matter if you achieve your goal. So you can take the fear and the pressure away. Two, you win because you're doing something you love and you get to inspire other people. So it's really important that we pursue these even small things like doing improv. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to close it, man. I'm thinking about the ripple effect and we never really have examples because no one ever really thinks about that picture. Mm -hmm. But that's a beautiful picture because just the decision to do a clothing line because it was in alignment with his heart and soul literally 15 years later has had more of an impact than you know anyone who who contracted and said i can't do that you know this guy who just said i'm gonna do this clothing line mm -hmm. in school right mm -hmm. and that was mind-blowing in college right you're just like what how did you do this you're like an adult now already that's <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah. are you still going to the frat party tonight? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you're designing so dude i gotta thank you for your work and I got to thank you for this inspiring conversation because I, I, I've put off for two years to do this improv class and it's inspired me even. So viewers and listeners, whatever. I mean, look, I'm over here on that vulnerable state, ready to get over that fear. Viewers and listeners, all of you, I mean, here's your opportunity. We have the new year, the bucket list journal. Where do we get this? The easiest place is Amazon. Search yeah. the bucket list journal on Amazon or my Instagram, which is at Ben Nempton. Beautiful. I want everyone who's felt inspired by this convo, go get that bucket list journal, set it up for your new year mm -hmm. and dedicate yourself, if anything, to this green book in front of me to make sure that really you're living authentically, which is to me, from my health perspective, the most important thing for health. Because you meet people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and you see them and they tell you this is how they live and they look 20 years younger. They have yeah. this vibrancy, yeah. they're glowing, they're alive. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that this is how they live their life. Yeah. And I think a cool thing to end on, which also exemplifies this ripple effect is just this week, 
uh, something really exciting happened where I had a Zoom call with Dr. Gilovich. And Dr. Gilovich is the professor at Cornell that I mentioned mm. that did this research that found that three quarters of the population on their deathbed, they regret not living for them. This was the thing, this article was the catalyst for me to shift into speaking in a real way and try and wake people up to this reality because I was like, we need to talk about this more, <laughs> you know? And so I've been doing this and he's like the center of my talk. Like I, I talk about him and I put a photo of him every single time I speak. Yeah. And I got to have this conversation with him and the way that it happened is a perfect example of the ripple effect because I got an, a DM from a student at Cornell. And she said, you don't know me and you don't know this, but the reason why I am at Cornell, which is my dream to study at Cornell, is you know you inspired me to take a shot and apply to Cornell. And now I'm in Dr. Gilovich's class. And I know you speak about him a lot. I, do you think, you know, do you want to meet him? And I was like, absolutely. And she's like, okay, I, I have a, you know, I don't know when I can get a meeting with him, but she got a meeting with him and she's like, I'll just try and call you. So I zoomed with him as he was in the meeting with this girl and we had this talk and it was so, it was like 20 minutes and it was, I was like so starstruck, you know? <laughs> but he was it, like, not only was it so um, amazing to meet someone like that, but he also it was so insightful because he started to tell me about this new research that he's doing. One of the things that I talked about already, which is we are happier as humans in action versus passive. Another really cool thing is this headwinds, tailwind asymmetry that he's starting to um, do research around, which is when you're biking, you notice the headwind and you don't notice the wind behind you, right? And so you're just struggling against this headwind. And when you turn around for a moment, you notice that you have a tailwind, but then you don't notice it anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with life. Moving forward, you notice all the barriers. You don't notice the things that are going well. And that's why gratitude is so important because it's an active practice to remember those things that you just lose sight of because you don't notice them yeah. anymore. And that life is the last thing that he's, he's, he's researching and has come to this conclusion that um, <laughs> it's obvious now, but it's, it's just like a cool idea that life is about collecting experiences, not things. Mm -hmm. So invest in experiences and relationships and that what's, that's what brings true happiness. And so that's what your bucket list is, is just a list of those experiences. So it was a really cool cir full circle moment. It was, you know, the way that happened, of course, is through the ripple effect, because that's the only way that things tend to happen. Yeah. So uh, another example of the power of the ripple effect and uh, things coming full circle when you continue to move from that place of authenticity. Beautiful, man. Well done. I, I appreciate the inspiration. I appreciate the conversation. You know, I, I, I feel very much so on fire. Me too. So thank you, my brother, for coming on. Ben Nempton, everyone. Thank you. All right, knowledge bomb time, acne. How many of you out there hear that word and maybe have some PTSD about your high school years or middle school years, junior high, whatever it may be? How many of you might have some trauma now because you're suffering with adult acne? And when we think about acne, especially in medicine and dermatology, we look at it at its end stage. We don't really get to the root because how many of you have been to the dermatologist, whether you were younger or now, and the dermatologist has stopped and said, 
hey, you have acne and here are the many roots of acne. We need to understand what's happening with you. Let's take a big, I'm, I'm like giggling to myself because I know no dermatologist ever, has ever done that unless they're a functional dermatologist. But let's take a big picture for you. Let's take all of the tests, see how your gut's doing, what's your inflammatory state. Tell me about your diet. Let's think about why you have acne. Because acne, for all intents and purposes, is the manifestation of something that is downstream of something that is brewing upstream, maybe for many years. So we need to talk about why we have acne, why we get acne. If you have kids with acne, this is the exact show. What I'm going to tell you here is all of the picture of acne, we're going to understand the why, right? Get all the knowledge. But also, if I was a, but also if I was your doctor and you came to me and you say, hey, Dr. G, I have acne, I need to know what to do. I'm going to tell you how I would treat acne. So now you have the naturopathic functional perspective on what to do. When it comes to acne, it's estimated that around 85% of people between the ages of 12 to 24 experience at least minor acne. Knock on wood, I never had acne in my life. So I didn't have to go through that process. But guess what? I have my own other things that I grew up with. So it is what it is. But yes, um, some people genetically are predisposed to having acne. Other people, you may know, remember in high school or junior year or junior high where you would see people never go through that acne phase. There is a genetic component, but there's more to it. Now, the Global Burden of Disease Study was conducted by the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation, reported that acne is the eighth most prevalent disease worldwide. It is everywhere. And it can range from mild to severe. And while it's commonly associated with adolescents, yes, it can affect us as adults. A lot of you may have acne right now. So when I looked at a large group of women, they saw from the ages of 20 to 29, 50.9% of women had acne. From the ages of 30 to 39, 35.2% of women had acne. From the ages of 40 to 49, 26.3%. And 50 years or older, 15.3%. So there's a hormonal component that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But acne is a common skin condition that affects a significant portion of the global population, especially in industrialized, westernized societies. And it's especially during adolescence and early adulthood, as I just mentioned those statistics. It's when the hair follicles become clogged with oil and there's dead skin cells, leading to the formation of pimples, blackheads, whiteheads, and other types of lesions. It's most commonly associated with adolescent period due to those hormonal changes that we're gonna talk about. But again, it can affect all of us. Now, where do we normally get acne? Well, we have to think about the areas that are dense with oil glands and oil plays a major role. It's primarily around the face, the chest, the back. You may have memories coming up already. And when it comes to how acne's form, we have to think about the unit, right? The unit of the sebaceous gland, the follicle, now, the sebaceous gland to start, the skin contains sebaceous glands all throughout. Uh, as I mentioned, the, the parts of the, the back, the face, parts of the neck have more oil producing sebaceous glands than other parts. But these, these glands produce an oily substance called sebum and sebum helps the skin stay hydrated, right? It prevents any drying out, it lubricates it. And it lubricates it and waterproofs the skin and hair of all mammals. But also sebum, interestingly enough, is a transport medium for pheromones, also toxins and other molecules on the skin surface. We also have the hair follicle. 
The hair follicles are associated with the sebaceous gland together. The hair follicle serves as the passage for hair to grow and the release of sebum into the skin. We also have skin cells called keratinocytes. And these line the inner wall of the hair follicles. And these cells, along with the sebum, can create a plug. And that's what can block the hair follicle. Now, this plug ain't a good thing because a clogged follicle creates a really nice environment for bacteria, particularly a special bacteria called Propionibacterium acnes, P. acnes. And this is where it thrives. And when the bacteria is having a feast on the sebum and it's causing more inflammation and the formation of a lesion that we call acne. So remember I said downstream, all this stuff is brewing for a while before we see the pimple. So you might notice you've had different types of acne lesions. Blackheads, these are called open comedones. They're pores containing trapped sebum and dead skin cells. And a lot of us think that the head is black because of dirt, but it's actually not. The color black is due rather to the oxidation of sebum, right, the oil. Whiteheads are the closed comedomes, and they're similar to blackheads, but they're closed. So because they're not being exposed to air, they're not oxidizing like that, and then you're having white bumps on the skin. Then you have papules. These are the small little red inflamed bumps that can be sensitive to touch. Some of you have had those. I know I've had one or two or maybe 10 of those in my life. Pustules are the red ones that are inflamed with a white or yellow center containing pus. This is when, you know, people want to pop them, right? Nodules, these are large, painful solid lesions beneath the skin surface. I've actually had these before, they hurt. And uh, sometimes I would see them in my jaw. I often see them appear on the jaw of people. Uh, and cysts, cysts are the deep, painful, pus-filled lumps. And these are the ones that can lead to acne scarring. So the question is, why? What's leading to this process for some people and not the others? So why? It could be different reasons. The hormonal changes, genetics, could be due to medications and even lifestyle factors. But acne is a multifactorial skin condition. And this goes back to what I was just saying. Your dermatologist needs to understand that it's not the downstream thing and I'm gonna give you antibiotics or steroid creams or any other medication to suppress this process. We have to think about what's happening as a whole. So we know that sebum is what the bacteria loves to feed on. But sebaceous glands are activated in different ways by different things. During adolescence, hormonal changes, particularly an increase in androgens like testosterone, can lead to the overproduction of sebum. And remember, excess sebum can contribute to the clogging of the hair follicle. And actually we see patients with active acne are producing 59% more sebum. We know the process of clogged hair follicles with the excess of sebum. And we know once that sebum is trapped in the hair follicle, the bacteria P. acnes loves feeding on it, creates a feast, inflammation, and then we get the formation of the acne. When we think about this bacteria, I want you to think about it this way. It's a commensal bacteria and it's on the skin surface of the pore. And when you look at a one day old acne lesion, 68% of those lesions have this bacteria. And if you look at a three day old one, 79% of the lesions have it. So we know that it is highly associated with acne. And actually when they would apply topically this bacteria to unaffected skin, it would result in the formation of acne. So this is the driving force behind it, or is it? What is the force behind it? Because we know sebum is there, but inflammation, inflammation is the key component of acne. We know that when the hair follicles become clogged, 
the bacteria multiply, and then the immune response of the system kicks in, more inflammation, and there's a cycle that happens. You're getting more sebum, more bacteria, more acne. Sometimes the cycle is unstoppable, and then we have chronic acne. And we have inflammatory chemicals that are creating this downstream formation of acne. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about this in the treatment section for inflammation, but I mentioned hormonal changes. We have to be aware, right? We see so much of acne is associated with puberty, right? And there's a reason, because during puberty, there's changes in hormones, but also during menstruation and pregnancy or even certain medical conditions, they can contribute to acne. But androgen, specifically DHT, plays a significant role in stimulating sebum production. A little side note, DHT also plays a significant role in hair loss. There's the genetic factors. As I mentioned, one person may have it, one person may not. To my knowing at this point, we don't know any specific genes that are going to predispose you to acne, but we do know that if a parent or sibling of yours has acne, you may be more likely to develop it. Certain medications we know, like corticosteroids, contraceptives, some of you may have had acne from using birth control or getting off of birth control. Drugs containing lithium, they can all have the development of acne as a side effect, but there's many other drugs too. And we know dietary factors play a major role. I'm gonna go into that shortly. So when we think about acne, right? We know conventionally, you know, you come into my office, I'm sitting there with a white coat, I'm a dermatologist, and I work with antibiotics and corticosteroids. The likely that you're gonna get one of those two for your acne is highly likely, right? So you'll probably get antibiotics and they work by killing the bacteria and reducing inflammation. They work, but they're not getting to the root of it, right? So topical antibiotics like clindamycin or erythromycin will be helpful. If you have really severe acne, they may have conversations with you about uh, Accutane, which is a whole nother podcast and a whole nother conversation. But if you get to that point, you should really see a functional doctor, a naturopathic doctor before you even decide to take that. I know it can really affect your quality of life. But if you have inflammatory acne, there is a deep, deep, deep issue going on. Now, so we in medicine haven't necessarily pinpointed everything there is to do with acne and the why and how to treat it or cure it. But guess what? Naturopathically and functionally, we know a lot of things, especially to avoid the flare-ups. When we think of acne, we have to think about the naturopathic acne triad. What are the three things we really need to look at when someone is suffering with acne? Well, liver detoxification, for sure. That inflammation piece. Liver detox inflammation, that is a big leg of that stool. Hormones, you know, we talked a little bit about that and the why. We'll go into that. Hormones, of course, and stress. You'll see, or you'll remember, if you had acne, one of those three imbalance is likely worsening your acne or making it better. And, you know, we thought it was just the bacteria creating more inflammation by the recruitment of your immune cells and more inflammation. But actually, we're starting to see that acne is more upstream even before the bacteria is present, an inflammatory state, inflammatory response. And maybe the person's expression of that inflammatory response is acne, genetically speaking. So, Inflammation plays a major role. If you have acne, here is a remedy you may have never considered. Your liver may be taxed, and the body is using your skin as not an optimal but necessary route of detoxification. This is increasing the concentration of sebum in the pores, increasing bacteria, and voila, more acne. So you need to think about how can you support your liver? Well, reduce the things that are burdening your liver, like processed and refined sugars, refined carbohydrates, trans fats, some high omega-6 vegetable oils like soybean oil, corn oil, sunflower oil, 
Fried foods, processed meats, dairy, alcohol, artificial additives and preservatives can all be taxing on your liver and downstream affecting your acne. And you want to give the body what it needs. Foods like quality lean proteins, plant proteins, nuts, lentils, edamame, tofu, peas, fruits and vegetables that are high in micronutrients, leafy greens. You want to think about cruciferous vegetables, high sulfur foods, broccoli sprouts, onions, garlic, all of the things that are supporting and giving your liver the sulfur to detoxify. Beets, turmeric, ginger, berries. My God, we need to be supporting our liver to reduce acne. Olive oils, nuts, seeds containing antioxidants and vitamin E are going to be protecting and supporting your liver. One of my favorite things for liver support is green tea. It's associated with decrease of liver cancer, fatty liver disease, hepatitis, liver cirrhosis, and just overall chronic disease. You want to talk to your doctor about herbs and nutraceuticals like milk thistle, dandelion, burdock, licorice, ginseng, glutathione, vitamin C, NAC, selenium. So if you're suffering with acne, you have to ask yourself first, how healthy is my liver? And if you have acne, avoid this food. This is number one on my list. I can't tell you the amount of times in practice that people's acne was fully in remission after removing dairy. Milk consumption results in a significant increase in insulin and IGF-1 in the serum, with levels comparable to eating high glycemic foods and raising insulin. Now we know inflammation is at the root of acne, but not only that, by getting rid of milk and cheese and butter, whey, yogurt, you're also addressing the hormonal influence of acne. Hormones present in milk, which actually may survive the processing, have a direct effect on the hair follicle, the hair shaft, and the sebaceous gland, which are collectively known as the pilosebaceous unit. This is where the pathology of acne begins. And also dairy stimulates the liver to produce more IGF-1, which is inherently already in it. Now you're getting a double dose of the hormonal influence that for someone with acne can potentially lead to further inflammation. So if you have acne, one of your best ideas may be to remove the cow juice. Big part of acne that we don't realize is how stress affects us downstream. While cortisol itself is not directly responsible for causing acne, its role in the body's stress response can influence factors that contribute to acne development, right? So we think about corticosteroids. They're given for any inflammation on the skin, for example, eczema or psoriasis, sometimes acne. So it's actually going to reduce the inflammatory response. But chronic cortisol can be a major problem. Now, the relationship between cortisol and acne is connected by multiple mechanisms. Cortisol in response to stress can stimulate the production of sebum in the sebaceous glands, which the bacteria love. Cortisol is involved in the body's anti-inflammatory response. That's why we have it topically as a medication. However, chronic stress and elevated cortisol can lead to the imbalance in the inflammatory response. And this can actually contribute to inflammation down the line. And we know that inflammation is at the root of acne. When you have elevated cortisol, it can also influence other hormones in the body, can disrupt other hormones. Androgens, particularly DHT, are associated with increased sebum production and can contribute to the development of acne. We know that. When it comes to cortisol, also elevated chronic stress, chronic cortisol can suppress the immune system. Now, the skin is more susceptible to the infections, inflammation, the growth of that acne-forming bacteria. Big problem. And then when we think about stress in itself, right? Think about the liver. Remember I was talking about the tax liver that can't detoxify, that is detoxifying through the skin. We have to think about repressed anger. And, and I think about the psychosomatics of all diseases. But if we think about how anger expresses, it's red, it's hot, it's inflammatory. There's an internal heat that is being unexpressed. So I always think about someone with acne, what is your level of anger and repressed anger? 
always. Oftentimes when we see acne around the jaw, though, that's one thing that I always look for. What is their stress level and is their stress disrupting their hormones? You want to make sure you're moving, always moving the body, sweating, cleaning up, making sure you keep good hygiene, but we're going to go into any antibacterials in a moment, but making sure you're cleaning up yourself, moving the lymph, and knowing that that's a big, potent medicine for detoxification and supporting the liver. Now, I talked about the triad, right? This, this, this three-legged stool, but, you know, things change. And over time, I've actually saw other really important pieces to what can help reduce the acne cycle, put acne in remission, cure acne, right? And two other big pieces that over the years I've noticed is the implication of the skin biome, right? We have a massive skin biome, not as big as the gut biome, but very important, and the gut biome. We have to think about those two. So the skin biome is constantly under duress, especially by the way that we see hygiene, right? We have all of these scented, fragranced, hormone-disrupting, bacteria-killing soaps and shampoos and lotions and creams that we use without thinking how it's affecting our microbial diversity, and it's a problem. A lot of us use systemic antibiotics, which can actually affect our skin antibiotics. When you take these systemic antibiotics orally, or it's applied topically, it can alter the balance of the skin microbiome. It's gonna reduce a lot of the harmful bacteria that you're targeting, but also a lot of the beneficial ones too. And if you have prolonged or frequent use of antibiotics, this can be the problem. We also have to think about antiseptic and antibacterial products that a lot of us love using. These harsh antiseptic and antibacterial cleansers, soaps, sanitizers can not only strip the skin of its natural oils, but disrupt the microbial balance. And overuse of these can create a very harmful environment that can be lush for the overgrowth of really nasty bacteria that are causing acne. If you have acne, you cannot be using antibacterial soaps. It's a problem. And if your dermatologist is telling you this, bring this up or send my podcast and I'll take it up with them. Harsh cleansers or exfoliants, you want to make sure you're staying away from harsh cleansers, excessive exfoliants that can strip the skin of that natural protective layer and disrupt the microbiome. Topical steroids can help inflammation for the short term. Long term, it can affect the skin microbiome. It can suppress the immune response, potentially creating an environment that is conducive to the overgrowth of other nasty, harmful microorganisms. Environmental factors, of course, Think about the things that can affect humidity, UV radiation, various pollutants that are exposed to the skin. There's certain sprays out there that can protect your skin uh, from different companies. Our skin is the first barrier to protect us, so we want to make sure that we are giving our skin the most amount of love to protect that really delicate microbial balance. Diet and lifestyle, we want to stay away from a poor diet, high in sugars and processed foods, all the lifestyle factors, lack of sleep, inadequate hydration, they can all contribute to imbalances. And actually, you may have not thought about this, but frequent and hot showers, especially with harsh soaps, can strip the skin of the natural oils and disrupt that microbiome. Hot water can be drying and may contribute to the environment where harmful microorganisms live. So you want to make sure you maintain a healthy skin microbiome. It's super essential to overall skin health and function. We have to think about these things. Make sure you're using really mild soaps, mild cleansers, right? Ones that don't have fragrance, ones that are delicate to the body. You wanna make sure you get away from all those antibacterial products, limit those harsh exfoliants and scrubs. Make sure you're staying hydrated, getting enough water through the system, eating probiotic-rich foods and supporting the skin, but also the gut. 
And this brings down the last part, right? This is one of the most important pieces for systemic inflammation. A lot of our inflammation starts at the gut. So this would actually be the last piece, but not in order of importance, for that five-legged approach, not the triad, but the five-ad approach to healing acne. You got to think about the gut. I actually see, this is anecdotally, I've seen so much. Oftentimes, the people who come to me with acne have constipation as well. And it makes sense, right? If you're not detoxifying fully or properly out of the body, all those toxins, all those fat-soluble ones that are moving through the bile, the liver, into the stool and coming out, if they're recirculating, that's a problem because your body is smart enough to use your skin to detoxify. So we really have to think about this. How do we optimize the gut? And how do we make sure you're pooping as much as your body wants to? Because once a day might not be enough for you. Maybe your body loves to do it three times a day. Believe it or not, people can poop three times a day. So are you suffering with any gut issues? If you're suffering with gut issues, and even if it's low grade, you want to make sure your gut is functioning at a 10 out of 10. So this involves eating good prebiotic-rich foods, fermented foods. I've already listed the list about this so many times on the show. Just open up Google right after this. Prebiotic-rich foods, fermented foods. Go to the supermarket and start adding these to your diet. You want to make sure you're eating at least 30 plants per week. Different variety of colors. And spices work. All of these are feeding the gut. Right? And you want to make sure you're optimizing the diversity of your gut. It's not just one species. It's multiple species in the gut. Now, you know your gut is doing better when it's less angry. That means it's calm. That means the fire's out. That means you're calm. That means your nervous system is calm. Remember, I talked about the stress part. So your gut, your gut, your gut, your gut health, you pooping the way that your body wants to, I wish I even put this as, not, as the first thing, would be the number one thing to do, at least if you came to me. I'd ask how you're pooping, and I'd ask how are we gonna optimize this? And I put together a plan for you to really optimize your gut health. You can talk to your doctor about probiotics. You can talk to your doctor about prebiotic supplements. All of them will help, but really, 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 if you have constant inflammation, you have to think about your own inherent microbiota on your skin and in your gut. There you have it, the way that I would lay out those pillars for healing acne. If you're suffering with acne, I know it could be stressful. A lot of you people ask, should I pop my pimples? Uh, it, it's funny, it's hard to tell someone who is so intent on popping a pimple, don't pop the pimple because at some point they're gonna pop it. And I know there's a lot of you out there who just love popping pimples because you love popping pimples. And I know there's a lot of you even there the sickos out there who, who want to pop their boyfriend's pimples. Y'all crazy. I know a lot of you women out there are smiling. But uh, yeah, I mean, popping pimples can theoretically, yes, make it worse. Uh, especially from having an open pore, an open space, open inflammatory pustule, inviting in more dirt bacteria. So maybe let's let nature do its job and clear it itself. But I, I know that's not going to stop any of you out there. So anyway... Those would be my five pillars. Take them as you may. Um, if your dermatologist doesn't want to listen to you, send them this podcast. Maybe they'll open their space to understand that maybe functionally it's a multifactorial thing and there's many roots to it and everyone is different, but acne doesn't have to be your way of life. 
Hope you enjoyed it. Knowledge Bomb segment, back in.